Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Good afternoon everybody and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. No new signings for us I'm afraid, but we've managed to tie some stalwarts down into long-term deals. I'm joined by Tony Scott, Gav Buckland and the Everton editor Greg O'Keefe. It's Phil Kirkbride, the Everton reporter, hosting today's podcast. And we will start with the news that Everton are closing in on the signing of Burnley defender Michael Keane, uh, a player that we spoke extensively about on this podcast for weeks and months I think it's fair to say now but it appears that it's moving much closer so I want to get the guys thoughts Greg now that it's 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 close we're looking at a 25 million pound deal with potentially six million pounds in add-ons what are your feelings that the Blues have, have, have looked to have landed their number one defensive target? That's the key point for me it's, it's been Koeman's number one defensive target as you say it's the fact that they've gone in and got him with I would imagine some competition um, some quite strong competition, I guess. Um, you know, he's been linked, hasn't he, variously with Liverpool and United. Have apparently batted a bit of an eyelash at him and want, maybe wanted to go back in and get someone who they they released. And the fact that Everton have got him, and again, we're not even in July yet. Uh, I think it becomes the fifth deal in a, in a few weeks, really. And it's quite staggering, I think, for Blues of well, any Blues. I was about to say Blues of a certain. Uh, vintage. I just think any Blues really the speed at which they've moved this summer. I think we're in unprecedented territory really for Everton in the transfer market. Long may it continue. I just hope that we've got a few uh, twists and turns left in the market and we haven't had all the uh, the thrills done before uh, before July's even even started. But no, brilliant signing and I look forward to seeing him next season. What I've seen of him uh, in the Burnley shirt, I've been impressed with, and I think Cumin, if anyone, can bring his game to a next level. I'd like to see, um, you know, maybe him kind of partnering, maybe Ashley Williams, uh, and certainly I think we're going to be a set um, a threat from set pieces even more so. Hopefully we'll we'll keep be even more solid than we were at times last season. And um, again, like with Jordan Pickford, Klassen, and Sandro, age is the right age. He's not even yet near his prime. So all in all, brilliant deal. Tony, Manchester United had moved into loosely speaking pole position sort of end of May, start of, start of this month, um, when they'd acknowledged, not privately at least anyway, that they were interested in Keane. Subsequently, they went and signed Victor Lindelof from Benfica. Do you feel they've made a mistake in, in prioritising Lindelof and therefore allowing Keane to join Everton? Time will probably tell on that one, won't it? But at the moment, if I was a Manchester United fan, I would have looked to have Keane more than to obviously Lindelof. I just think you're taking a massive gamble. We spoke about it in the past. You sign up players from foreign leagues, you're taking a massive, massive gamble. Whereas in Michael Keane is Premier League proven, one of the best defenders in the league last season. And I just think you, you, if Michael Keane signs for Manchester United, they are more stable, more than what they're taking a massive gamble on a lad who hasn't kicked a ball in English football. 
plus they had a 25% sell on, haven't they? So they could have got them for 25% cheaper than what Everton are buying them for. So I'm, I'm more than happy that Manchester United have turned the nose up at him and he's in an Everton shirt. I think he was brilliant last season for Burnley. And I think him and Williams will be a good partnership to start the year. In first Do you think they've season. gone, Lindelof's got Champions League experience, keen as, and that's what we want? Possibly for the Champions League, but what Manchester United need to do next season is prove on their Premier League form because they were awful last season, wasn't yeah. they? And that was one of the main negatives towards Jose Mourinho last season, the Premier League form. Too many draws at home, and they've signed a player who's is another gamble, 30 odd million, isn't it, for, for Lindelof? So I just think Michael Keane was already Premier League proven. Gav, um, should Michael Keane complete his deal? To join Everton, he would obviously become the most expensive defender by some distance in the club's history. What are your feelings on the fee? It's about par for the course, isn't it, for young English talent, I would think. 20 to 30 million quid. Um, I think, you think about going back, I think, when did Rio Ferdinand go for? Was that 30 million? Mm. And that was like 15 years ago, that wasn't was, it? So it seemed astronomical at the time. That context. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think any, you know. We've spoken on the podcast, 25, 30 million is the going rate for a decent Premier League player mm. these days. So I think um, I've not got a problem with the fee at all. And it goes back to what, what I've said the last few podcasts is we're in the position where we can't afford not to buy players at the moment. And that's the uh, that's the end game for me. And it's a position that we needed to uh, strengthen. I think the challenge for Keane for me is probably playing in a, in, in a club that's slightly different to Burnley in terms of the playing style where... Uh, you know, dice like to keep it tight, and you know the the fullback tucked in, and so on and so forth. With with us, we'll be a bit more offensive, and maybe they'll be, you know, maybe have to do a little bit more. Won't have the same cover as what he had. Mm. It, had a bit more one on one stuff. Do yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so that's that's a key key thing for me that adapting to Everton. So I think um, that will be interesting to see. But as you say, he's got Cumin there. He was class act himself, played in the same area of the pitch. And I, I, I don't think, you know, we've spoken before about making a statement of intent and then a sign and that would do that. And I don't think we're in a position to do that, but, we're, but we are making a statement in stem by, the, as Greg was saying, the number of signs that we're making in a short space of time of players that have been covered to by other relatively big clubs. And I think that's, you know, that's what I'm really impressed by at the moment. And, no, as Greg was saying as well, you would hope there's more to come as well. well I'll put so, it out there, Phil. Sorry. Why do you think none of the so-called Champions League clubs went in for him? I think maybe when you you touched on it, then he hasn't got Champions League experience. He hasn't got Europa League experience. He's got minimal international experience. He's got a decent amount of Premier League experience and has proven himself a good, you know, very good Premier League defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe Greg but, was right when he was saying he's not been tested at a higher level yet. But he's going to be playing 38 Premier League games. You know, On average, what are you playing? Eight Champions League games? Surely if you're a manager, you'd be looking at someone who's Premier League proven more than Champions League well, proven. Maybe Tottenham have looked at it and they've got very settled back too, haven't they? Chelsea have played a lot of money didn't they, in the last window for yeah. David Luiz. Probably not there to ever stop them stockpiling good yeah, players exactly. in the past. City, I'm surprised City maybe didn't have a sniff, but then... Is he really gonna? Is he an exponent of Guardiola-style mm. football playing from the back? Maybe I, he isn't. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think you've also got to look at the fee. I mean, Gav, I agree with Gavin. I'm sure we all agree. I think I think 25 million pounds for Everton, where they're at, and the market and and the, and the type of player they're looking to get is 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 an acceptable fee. But if you're Manchester United and and Benfica is saying well for five million pound extra, 
you can have this player who's mm. got X amount of games in the top level, X, X Y, and Z. Mm. From a business sense, if you're Ed Woodward having the conversation with Mourinho, you're probably saying, well, as it stands, he's probably better value. But for Everton in the long run, yeah. Michael Keane, you would hope and you would feel that he would be better value in the long run. Yeah, yeah I think also be cynical about it big clubs have like liaisons with agents and all this type of thing that comes into it don't the people that they like to do business with and they trust so I think that always comes into it but in reality I don't really don't give a monkeys if they you know yeah. for me you know if it, it's their, their risk as well isn't it mm. um, and I, I I really like the signing of them I when we had the, the our podcast from about a month ago where we picked the player each which is still on isn't it yeah. uh, that will get them is Michael Keane was my pick, uh, so you know I, I'm not going to say anything that contradicts that now. What I would say though is, following on that is is the shape of our defence, isn't it? As a consequence, yeah. how, how do we see that? Well, I was going to say that brings us on to the next topic of of today's podcast, and we'll stay with you, Gav. First of all, who would you, as it stands, and current squad members, and on the assumption that Michael has signed for the football club who do you think against Stoke on the opening day of the season on August the 12th should partner him it's a good question that and I've had I've had a bit of it about turn in my previous uh, thinking on this because I said the other week that and I've said all last season that we need two centre halves um, it's only when we signed Pickford and I said the, you know that, that risk of having two new centre halves and a new keeper can be you know that, that's a big settling in thing isn't it for all three players and in the course of like Saturday afternoon over a few beers we may, may change your minds and said that he thinks that we just should just have at the start one new centre half and a keeper and that's enough to begin with and have somebody who's at the club playing in the other centre half position assuming we play 4-2 four, four in that as well mm. so I, I would think you know Williams would appear to be the uh, mm. the logical choice Why would Williams and not Jack Elker? For me? Yeah Because uh, he's younger that's the only reason. Yeah. Go on, tell, go on. I, for devil's advocate, uh, make a case for Jags and, and Keane on the opening day. Captain. Yeah. I think if you're looking for... So, I just think Jagielka has got more experience going into more Premier League seasons and you may need that going into the first run of fixtures. I know Ashley Williams has got a lot of experience, but playing, maybe nurturing a young defender into the Everton defence Jack Elk has got all that he's played alongside plenty of centre-halves for Everton Ashley Williams hasn't and I think he may just struggle nurturing a young lad into a back four big big, big transfer on Michael Keane's head I just think Jack Elk with that experience of nurturing a young lad next to him I think that may benefit Phil Jack Elk more than Ashley Williams I, I think it's I don't think there's much between either candidate by the way but I think there's the little things about helping a, a young lad settle yeah. in at a club, which are specific to every club. This is where you park. This is where, but this is how we. This is the shortcut to this car park. Mm. This is where you get your, you know, your, yeah, your, yeah. your protein shake before the game. And I think who better than All someone being the there? Stuff, yeah. All the little things of helping a player settle in. Okay, these. This is where you go and sort out your new car. Yeah. I think Jags might be the one to help him bed in at Everton. Whereas Williams only been there a year himself, albeit he did settle in very quickly, Ashley yeah, Williams, yeah. and seemed to take Everton into his stride. So, which is why I say there's not much in it. It'll be interesting though. Those rumours about Jags and Sheffield United haven't gone away, have they? No. Yeah. It's whether or not if Everton do sign another central defender, maybe a younger lad who's possibly not going to come in and start, whether or not Jags thinks, well, actually, 
I'll throw me hand in Plus you've got Funes money to come back and then Holgate can always play centre-back. I refuse to believe he exists still. <laughs> <laughs> Gav, you, you seem to be itching to get a point across here, mate. What's, what do you want to say? Um, does it also depend what side of defence the preferred side of defence for each player is? Well, for, uh, excuse my ignorance, what foot is Keane? Is well, he left, at 25 right? million quid both, both yeah, yeah. yeah what's he more comfortable on <laughs> I've seen him on the right side so in that case it would be Keane and, and Williams yeah, wouldn't yeah, it yeah, I think, although yeah. Jagielka has played right. left side hasn't he mm. yeah does yeah. again sort of tra- don't want to throw people too much because there's, there's a lot of water or pass under the bridge between now and August the 12th um, would it matter who's playing at right back yeah it will and, and I think if John Joe Kenny plays I think it's a it's more crucial I feel Jagielka please because they are, are the, for the reasons that I've just stated you're going to need a captain to nurture these young lads at the back and if you've got John Joe Kenny playing at right back and Michael Keane playing centre half I think it's absolutely crucial Phil Jagielka plays mm. he's got to play whereas I think if Ashley Williams plays I'd be more sceptical about that mm. one Greg what about Ronald going back to the old three at the back would he play Jags Williams and Keane on the opening day of the season in a three well it's an interesting one really isn't it doesn't strike I was just speaking to Tony earlier one of Keane's few I wouldn't say faults in any way but he's not known for searing pace is he that'd probably be fair to say Mm. so you would always maybe hope you've got a quick one if you're playing a back three and and neither Jags certainly not these days he was or Williams are the the quickest so I wonder whether or not that's a combination if you're going to play three at the back it's certainly one that appeals in many ways but if you've got a quick striker looking to get in and behind, we could be exposed a little bit there. You've got to take into context as well who Stoke will play up front on the day, haven't you? If they play a nippy forward like Well, Shaquille, they've not signed yeah. anyone yet. Exactly, yeah. So, so I think you've you don't know what shape Stoke well, yeah. exactly. They might have someone who's not going to try and get in between, mm. in behind you, in which case then, yeah, that sounds yeah. really solid. To you me. can't just look at what you're saying there, Phil. It's just like for the first few games of the season, yeah, yeah, so yeah. not just Stoke, yeah. So I just think it's interesting. Take your points. It's. There's whole hope. You've got a better than your new keeper. I say right back. I mean, I assume Kenny would be the right back. I would. Or the right backs we've Yeah, I'll just about. interject there because that was going to be another question for you lot. Was, is it um, vital? I think it's probably the best way of putting it that Ronald Koeman signs a right back in this window. I think it looks as though he may sign like Hugo Martin and Musney in the first week in July. That's the rumours going round. So. You'd expect that one to come in on a free. I'd still play John Joe. I really was. I think you've got a lad there who's on the first game of the season, be pumped up, shows he can he can go forward, he's aggressive, and that's what you want on the first game of the season. Set it, set the tone, get the fans going. You're at home, expectancies rise, and I just think that local lads in the first game of the season, I, I'd be I'd be well more than happy if John Joe Kenny starts. What the old saying? This is I don't want to see Mason Allgate at right back. Well, no, what, no, nor do I. This no, is what I'm right. saying about does therefore Ronald need to sign an experienced right back yes. as, as a kind of cover because inevitably, as as good as John Joe is and as much as as, as much hope and expectancy we have for him in his long term effort and career, he's a young lad and young defenders and young players, young midfielders, young strikers, they make mistakes, don't they? So I think it would be asking too much too soon to say for John Joe, as good as we think he can be to nail it down and but you're right. not asking them to really because you just it's it's still Seamus Coleman comes back what you don't want is be paying another 10-15 million for the right back and then okay. Coleman comes well, back and then you've got Holgate who necessarily can play there then you've got Kenny all of a sudden you've got four right yeah, backs I'm not suggesting that you go and break the bank for a right back but I'm saying do they need to 
does Kuma need to go and find somebody who is a bit more experienced you know a little bit more seasoned but not a great deal of money to, just to come in and go look right you Kenny and Holgate are going to vie for it but I know I can rely on this other guy that I've brought in if which may be that Martin I think, I think the problem that they're going to face is exactly what we've kind of skirted around is finding someone who's prepared to come in effectively and play at best well actually let's Second say fiddle. No, well let's say John Joe comes in and out in the first stage of the season half a season-ish because as soon as Seamus is fit fully fit that's his shirt so who's going to come and effectively be yeah second slash third-ish fiddle because it might well be that John Joe comes in and out for certain games who's this player that's going to be worth giving a contract to that'll agree to that because Kuka Martina has left by the way he's he's a good decent right back back. he's left Southampton because he wasn't playing every week yeah but so um, Koeman will well, be saying contract to Martin, wasn't yeah. Yeah. will be saying to Martina, we should listen, lads being out for a long while, you'll be starting the season for me. And there's FA Cup games, there's League Cup games, and there is Europa League games. You'll be starting I guarantee you thirty games next season. Why why is he not joined already? Because it's July the first, isn't it, when his contract I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not I think generally that might not be the easiest sell to potential defenders to say, come in. But who knows if you'll if you'll be playing much? But that's the level you're gonna get because you're gonna get a player of that ilk. You're not gonna be. Uh, uh, oh yeah, you're, you're to. not gonna be spending ten. But or even minutes. to a player of that ilk, I mean, if you look at his age, Martina. What's his market value if he wasn't on a free? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I just. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. There's one of his other options. He's not gonna get. get a, he's not gonna get a better than Everton, is he? They need to get someone. So he's got no options. He might do. Just say I admire uh, Tony's optimism there, saying FA Cup games and League Cup games. You know what I mean? Which is not necessarily necessarily being the case in the last few years. The the other option there, which I think is worth um, looking at, is Tom Davis, isn't it? Surely. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that would be wasting Tom's ability in midfield, and I don't think Tom is a better right back than John Joe Kenny. No, no, John no, Joe I, Kenny's a specialist at right back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's an assumption there that Tom will get in the midfield as well. Well, which is one of the other things. But, mm. but I, 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 my inclination was to go with Kenny. I, yeah, I, I think that I don't, I don't see the point, and I, I know what. I can see the arguments of bringing in somebody who's experienced, and I can see, you know, the other arguments say for Davis. But what? What's the? Do not think as having an academy player who played for England's under twenties World Cup, World Cup and, and, and all that type of thing is if, you, if you're not going to put an academy player in in these circumstances, when would you? Mm. Put an academy player. I don't know what you think. I'm not not saying we don't don't play Kenny. I'm not against that, absolutely not, because I think he deserves his chance. But inevitably, young players will be up and down. The form will ever flow. So what I'm saying is, what's the fallback? We've seen it with Holgate. His form's up and down. He's still a young lad. He's gone to wave with England, and we've seen good things, and we've seen bad things. So my point is, is it not imperative that Ronald has... Until Seamus is, is back fully fit, that's fully fit, so that could be midway to two-thirds of the way through next season, yeah. experience, reliable. I'm not saying the most spectacular, but reliable. And don't forget, we've got an incredibly difficult start to this domestic season. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly difficult. Fair so point. to throw John Joe into that, it's going to be a very stern challenge. So, and with the greatest respect, because I was as thrilled as any blue 
it will be completely different kettle of fish to that under twenties final against Venezuela. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, well, I the, that, lads, yeah. the lads yeah. showed last season Swansea away. Well, we won a better than better place. That wasn't hard. Away, away from home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, fair, fair and even enough, when yeah. he played against Norwich, I know it was only Norwich, Norwich at home in the last yeah. game of this previous season, exceptional game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Gav may have touched on it at the, uh, earlier on in the podcast. Do we feel it's still necessary that we sign another centre half? I uh, assuming Keane comes in, that's on these. Keane comes in, I'd be more than happy as as it, as it was. When's my, any f- fitness update on the so-called Funes Money? Assume he'll be back. I assume he'll be back in training on Monday. Really? I assume so. Yeah. I've seen him on Instagram with pictures with his Everton training kit on. So he may be doing some like work at home mm-hmm. with the new kit on. So you'd be happy with the four: Keane, Williams, Jagielka, Funes Mori. I'd be back, happy back. to go into January with it, but I wouldn't be breaking the bank to get another defender. No, there's so other speak. areas that. Yeah, probably... I think we need to obviously centre forward and a number ten, a good creative midfielder. Yeah. I think they're the other areas where we need to identify yeah. more than a centre half and the right back. Who plays? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the, the key one there is Greg was saying is if Jag goes or not. Yeah, I think if Jags goes, we'll have to. We'll have have to, to replace. We'd have to really, wouldn't we? And then you'd have to see the captain. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the other player is updated is Galloway. Yeah, this is obviously talk about Nottingham Forest being interested. Yeah. The feedback I had last summer um, was that Ronald Koeman didn't really see a great deal in Brendan. Yeah. Now, because I think Brendan's at a stage in his career where he has to go and play centre half. Yeah. Um, and I don't think nothing's changed, and I don't think Ron's opinion will have changed because he's barely played. You know, it was it was an unfortunate decision to have gone to West West Brom. Understandably, why he did, but. Mm. It, it, you know, the warning signs were there before he left, and and unfortunately, it came to pass that he wasn't going to play and didn't play much. Um, I would, I'd be disappointed to, to, if the club sold him because I still think there's a player there. Mm. Um, but I can definitely foresee, at, at the very least, a loan um, for the first half of the season, if not, if not for longer. Um, but we shall see. Just, just touching on, I found some quotes from Ronald um, that he gave at the start of last month when asked about if he wanted to get his business done early. And he said, always oh, it, is, it, is, it is the best, but sometimes it is difficult. It's all about the clubs are playing until the end of the season. You have internationals until June the 13th and 14th. Our start of pre-season is July the 3rd. That's the best, but it's not normally what happens. Do you think Ronald would be in coy there? Or do you think he's actually been maybe been taken by surprise and the speed at which they've done Pickford, Klassen, Sandro, who we'll talk about, Onyekuru, Keane, maybe now? I think he's laid down the law secretly to the board and he's just being nice and polite to the to the media. I think after last summer, he'll have been seething after what happens with the promises they're going to spend X amount and etc. And I think he's basically, because he's not a manager to mix up his words, he'll have said, listen, why he said, he told the world about Schneider and he said, listen, this deal's got to be done. He will tell the press what, what needs to be said. And I think secretly, behind the scenes, he'll have told the board what he expects and the time frame that he wants them in by. And it's no coincidence, we've seen, we've got a manager now, he will say it as it is, and all of a sudden, the board's reacting, there's players coming in, no coincidence at all, and I think he's given them a deadline, and we'll see, we'll see it reaping the rewards. Greg, also in the same interview, Ronald went on to say, last summer, I think several teams also had that problem again. When the Premier League starts, August 13th, 14th, it's still not the team that will start one month later. <laughs> Do you actually think the speed at which Everton are doing their business, we could actually see the team that starts on August the 12th 
will actually be the team that still starts a month later. Give or take one particularly big commanding centre forward, yeah. I think that's the problem. What about, what about Sigurdsson? Sigurdsson as well, you think yeah. that's going to drag? Yeah, possibly. Because Sigurdsson is Swansea's Lukaku, isn't he? Yeah. He's their, he's their <laughs> yeah. key man. He's the one who does all the business. He's the man with the big show-stopping transfer fee on his head. He's the one they've made noise about not wanting to sell. Offered him, you know, this, that and the other. So, really, I think in the past, Everton have had to do business late because it's always been not always fully dependent on but all, there's always been an aspect of bringing in before they can go out and buy to an extent and the relief has been this summer Mishiri's investment Steve Walsh on board Koeman's single mindedness they've just gone and got who they want and I don't salary I always remember we spoke to didn't we uh, was it, uh, Joe uh, the chap used to work for um, Carling and uh, oh, Be- Joe Beardwood Joe Beardwood exactly yeah. And his point was always Everton finished relative to where they are in the Premier League wages table. Yeah. Forget about transfers for you, it's wages. And what you see in this summer, I think, is Everton going out and being, I wouldn't say blowing teams out of the water, but they're commanding in the sense of wages. And that's why players like Sandro and Michael Keane went straight to Everton. Because mm. the wages on offer, you're not stiff, you're not saying, you know, it was up. You've seen that with the lad that Lillys did, the Nigerian. 50 clubs, I believe, were in for him. 50 clubs so he had do you think Everton have just turned his head straight away with the wages yeah I think so I think so. ultimately I think or it's do, or does, does Henry Onyekuru does he look at Everton even under Ronald Koeman and go well young players get chances that, he may, that may well be part of it as well yeah Yeah, I think uh, going back I think Greg's right I think I would expect to see the team at the start of August you know give or take you know Ron yeah. give or take I'm sure about having that entered Ross into the Equation, mm. yeah. You had to go we're, there. We're there didn't you had yeah, to go there. Can't, can't <laughs> avoid you talking can't get about that. One, it's me, it's months. me, like the thing. It's like, yeah, no, no, I don't support the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends what podcast there is, you know. <laughs> but I think we've got to because you're talking about the Premier League, but we yeah. have got the Europa League as well, haven't we? Yeah. Which is, um, of course, yeah. which is what yeah. four, four weeks. So you've got to get that out the way. So I'm sure that that's coming to uh, the thinking as well. And um, I would hope to see, but maybe one big sign, as you say, that you know we're ready for it. Because as you say, Greg, we've got a we've got a like a, a tough start. Mm-hmm. You know, by mid September we've had six games. Four of them, I think, will be but against last season's four of the top six, something like that. So we can't afford to be getting to the end of August and being in September having an unsettled team. I want everybody there as Greg says at the start of the season what I will say and I found this incredibly heartening I was telling Phil the other day um, I was speaking to a colleague of mine in in the North West we say very well connected at United and he was relaying to me that he feels at a high level at United they're looking at Everton now as the genuine threat to the established top four slash five they feel the business Everton have done so far the way they're going about the business and the manager there's just this perception at your board level at United that Everton could really go and surprise people next season. And I, it didn't surprise me because we're, I think we're ultra-realistic in this podcast, aren't we? And when mm. we talk, I, I heard Gav moonlighting on another... We're not radio stations, so I'll let him off. <laughs> on a good old radio Merseyside. And he was speaking a lot of sense, as usual, to be yeah. fair. And he refused to get... He basically said, we'll be we're good for seventh, if not higher, next season. And I think we've always said, haven't we... Sixth could be on. The could break. It all depends on our Europa but League. I think that's because of our, you know, we're, we're Blues and we have this very realistic perception. But it's interesting though that outside of that, 
other people are starting to set up and take notice. But if a team spends 70 to 80 million before July, obviously you're going to be thinking, well, they, they, they're going to be breaking into the top four then. Well, we're not, we're not buying like also runs. Okay, we're not buying the elite players. We've not gone out and gone. We can't. Kula Bali, Sigurdsson now, you know, um, Mbappé. Yeah. Obviously, we're not in that league yet. But I, I do think the business has been meaningful and it's, been, it's raised eyes. You know, it's interesting, obviously, the start of line up against Stoke. It's, it's the one player it all hinges on, isn't it? Lukaku situation. <laughs> I know we've, we've been over it many a times, but it's sad that the whole team, he is the player that the whole transfer window rests on, isn't it? Whether, like, the cynics will say, oh, he's just spending the Lukaku money, that's all you should oh, do. It's rubbish. Now, if Lukaku was sold and Everton don't get another striker in, would you be happy with Sanzo and Sigurdsson just playing behind? Or would you rather have Lukaku staying and Sigurdsson not brought in? They need another striker, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I think they do. Um, I, I still... Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do if they sell Rom, and we spoke about this, and whether Ronald, traditionally, as we've spoke about once, you know, plays with that big target man, or whether he feels the way to go is actually to change the way they play. Um, because they've got Sandro, who looks like he's going to be... He looks like he'd be a major handful, <laughs> but he's a completely different player. Yeah. And whether they, you know, they've got players around him and, and it would change the way they attack, I don't know. Yeah, you've got to... But we go, you know, we claim an old ground here that... You know, to get 25... You won't get a 25-goal striker, probably, but you'll get players you can get 25 goals between them more than what we got last season, man. Ross was our second half scorer with what mighty six. Mm-hmm. You know, you can easily get two or three players. You can get into double figures, well, which takes it out. out or, you know, takes that problem away. But it's not that. It's it's those players playing in the big games, isn't it? Which is one of the accusations that Rom, Rom what said about Rom, and Rom's twenty-five goals, as you said, it'd be look it sounds you know impressive, which you know as a total, but two against Hull on the last minute, four against Bournemouth. You know, you 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 take. You could say one, that about most strikers. Nobody came bags alone against Bournemouth. But what I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying that. But you're also that's easy to replace because you don't necessarily need those 25 goals the next season. What you're looking for is the players. The Tim Cales of this and Stephen Naismith of this world. You can score in, score in the big games. Well, does our lovely neighbours from across the park prove that you don't need the 25 goal no. a season man to break into the top four? Because they have goals mm. from Coutinho, yeah, Lallana, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mane, Firmino, all chipping yeah. in with yeah. 10 and 15 a season. Yeah. So that's what Everton will have to do. With Klassen, Barkley, Balassi when he comes back, Luchman, Sanzo, they're all going to have to chip in with... 10 or 15 goals each, aren't they? So what do we think about, we have not all convened and had the chance to speak about uh, Sandro Ramirez, whose deal is effectively done, um, but we're waiting on Malaga to get a, not have a strop on and sign yeah. the release forms. So we think it probably officially, formally announced, you know, early to mid next week, we're hearing. What What are our thoughts on, on the signing of, of Ramirez, Gav? Are you... Is he the most? Is he the, the signing so far that you're most excited about? That's a good question. Um, um, I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure about that actually. Um, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think Keane is a good sign. You know, for me, stands out was a little bit more purely because he played in the Premier League and people know him. Um, but it's comfort. I think he is something to be excited about because again, look at the clubs who've been linked with him, or you know, knows a lot of press talk and stuff I mean I've not really seen much of him apart from like the under 21s and the old game mm. for Malaga last year um, but I like what I see, I've seen um, and 
people people are saying you know it's a great sign in in the game and he's got a lot lot to offer so on that base I am excited about him but it goes back to Tony said before every sign from an overseas league has got a risk attached to it is that the same would you say with this guy I, I don't think this one's a risk just because of the the price we're paying for him. Yeah. and I think if we've just got a player who scored 14 goals in La Liga who would have signed for Atletico Madrid under Simeone if it had been for the transfer ban now if, if things don't work out at Everton next season Everton can easily sell him for 15 million next season to a La Liga club easily they're not going to make a loss on him it's a no brainer when, when Everton signed this it's just sheer profit now and if he does become a sub- success then we're not we're not selling him obviously yeah. so yeah but we said I know what you're saying there but we said that our striking options could be limited depends on what happens to Rom but so we do want somebody to come in next season and be you know, not the finished article to guarantee or something. Well, he scored some big goals, and he scored at every international level he's played with. He's played. He scored against Sevilla, Valencia, Real Madrid, hasn't he? In Barcelona, yeah. he scores against big teams, so he shows he can do it at that level. Okay. It's whether he can adjust to the Premier League, the physicality of it. But I like his hold up play. I like his work rate. It's exceptional. I love his hairline, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I just I like everything about. I like his work rate more than anything. To be honest, I said that sets the tone for what Everton are after. You look at everyone criticizes Lukaku's work rate. He doesn't hold the ball up well. Well, they've got the total opposite now. They've got a lad who's going to hold the ball or bring in, attackers into play, and a lad who wear his socks off. You can't ask for no more. I love that. his confidence. Mm. I I think he doesn't care. From what I've seen about him, he's not really one for reputation. So for such a young man. He's very, very, very sure of himself. He's only relatively small, but he's he's quite bustly. He's strong. He can back defenders. He's not scared of a physical confrontation, and that's going to be important, isn't it? Because he's going to face that more so than he's facing the Liga. The big thing for me, and, and Tony touched on it there, is if it had not been for the Court of Arbitration for Sport ruling on Everton's side, Sandro Ramirez is going to the, one of the top four European teams, yeah. isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's going to Atletico Madrid. Simeone knows a player. And for me, that says everything about about the player that Everton are going to get. They've watched them a lot more times than us, obviously, and Simeone's yeah, watched yeah. them, which I was yeah. speaking about, obviously, Michael Keane before, why weren't the bigger clubs in for them? Well, this is the opposite. You've got, as Phil's just said, one of the best clubs in, in European football, one of the best managers in European football. They were desperate for him, so that goes to show how good he is. To say that this is the only podcast that mentions the course of arbitration for sport, <laughs> by the way. You know, it shows you a classy uh, touch, you know. Just out of interest, um, assuming um, we kept on, we'd be happy then with that. that is, those are our forward options, or do you think we need somebody else? Or does Desperate for creativity. Including Sigurdsson, do you mean? I wouldn't. Right up top, I'm talking about really. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. Um, We've still only got two there, haven't we? Well, did you say Calvert Loon would, would be would he become part of a third? If, if you're looking at out and out, Classen can play up there as well. Uh, I know, but if, you're, if if Gav's talking about out and out front yeah, men, yeah. you've got Roms, assuming he stays. The next in line at the minute would be Calvert Lewin. Still think you need probably another. I mean, Sandro looks as though he's, a, he's, he's adaptable and flexible, but I still think you need another striker, especially we've lost Europe. two. We yeah. lost Valencia and me and Cole as well. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. Um, finally, just before we end today's podcast, um, on Saturday, July 1st, Tom Cleverley will officially leave Everton. Uh, he's moved to Watford, worth around £8 million, we believe, will 
go through when the transfer window opens. Um, Tony, you, you sad to see him go? You shedding a tear? See Cleverly leave the football club? Um, if you know, if you look at it on that value that you just mentioned, the eight million, and we're getting Sanzo. It's just it's weird looking at that. It's just a no-brainer, isn't it? I think. Do you know what? For the like, you can't question his his effort, Canyon, and his work rate every time he's put on Everton shirts. He, he has a bit of a rough ride off the Everton fans, didn't he? In terms of quality, he showed it in glimpses, not consistent enough. He's not going to be missed, is he? But I, I think you can't question the lad's effort every time he's put that Everton shirt on. That's one thing that you can't say about him. You get for me, totally agree. You can't fault him. I think he's had a little bit of a harsh ride, but it is social media, so I would imagine he's not going to lose much sleep about that. Uh, he is a good footballer. He isn't what he was cracked up to be by a certain former manager, but that's not his problem. It's not his fault. <laughs> He, you know, he's a good Premier League player. He's not good enough for where Everton are going and where they want to be. Uh, and I wish him well. And I think he did show in flashes a bit of quality. Mm. Just wasn't consistent enough. And um, hopefully we've got an upgrade there in, in the likes of Klassen and yeah. maybe going forward. And certainly he is an upgrade. And hopefully if we can get him, Gilfie Sigurdsson. We're going to need a big squad uh, going forward. So always a shame to lose someone who's adaptable and mm. flexible. Mm. But of a level, uh, he's just not where Everton needs to be. Yeah, I agree with Greg. Um, two things really. The first thing is I think anybody who scores a, a last minute equaliser on a uh, Boxing Day has to be <laughs> yeah. a last minute winner on Boxing Day has to be a uh, some header as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do think he goes past what we were saying before about the future. He, he appears to be though he's a contemporary player of Everton. He's on a, he, play, he appears to be a player from the past, doesn't he? Old. Mm. I don't say old. Yeah, old Everton. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Mm. But what we've talking about saying I've done like even like last season we're talking about new Everton the Everton that Greg says is like challenging the you know the teams at the top of the shop and, and if you want to do that unfortunately Tom Cleverley's not going to get anywhere near your team is he you know Watford's that's his level isn't it yeah that, that, that's if you're looking at where Tom Cleverley is in terms of Premier League Premier League player yeah. he, he's that level if you yeah. need to stay up and do a job mid-table that, that's where his level's at it's not if you want to break into the top four you look at Everton's midfield now which is neither and just a guy classing and etc he's not going to get anywhere near, near the team interesting what you say though good in a way, good bit of business, really. Sort of, you know, you get an eight million for him. And as you say, that that bought Sandro and paid for a bit of his wages, so you, you can't complain. Again, we'll touch on 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 Jerry if and when anything happens. But obviously, all the all the signs are saying that he will he will leave again. Have we got similar feelings about about De La Feu as to as we have with Cleverly? Or do you know what? I think it's the opposite. I think De La Feu is blessed with a lot of ability and doesn't show it. Mm. Doesn't show it at all. You'll see the odd flick. He'll beat a man, but he'll want to beat him again. The modern day Peter Beagley, so to speak, he's <laughs> just so frustrating. And if you're a centre forward playing alongside Delafeu, you'd be pulling your hair on what you've got left of it because you're making runs from post near post, and you'd rather beat the man again. Fitness levels of a Sunday League player, I'm afraid, <laughs> no, nowhere near the Everton team at all. It's just interesting, isn't it? You know, your Barca study stories about. Valverde wants to bring him into the Camp Nou and, and possibly even play him uh, reject their attack so that he, he plays up front with Neymar and Suarez and look whether or not that's 100% accurate uh, I, I'm not sure but you have this fear in the back of your mind that are we going to look at him go and flourish at the biggest football club in the world or or go and make a success for a move place in Milan and think why didn't he do it at Goodison but ultimately you can only go on what you've seen 
and that's why what you're saying is correct. I haven't seen enough in the Premier League mm. to to believe that he's going to be that player that the little flickers of ability show. First season under Martinez, really exciting. Mm. His goal at the Emirates, brilliant. Yeah. But then just seemed to go backwards so quickly and so frustratingly. His stamina was always an issue. Why does it tell you that for such a young player with the ability he's got? He's had that many clubs at such a young age. Mm. Most appearances for the under twenty three Spanish, isn't it? So what that tells you everything you need to know about him really for me. He needs to nail a club down and stay there. AC Milan, why aren't why aren't they back in for him? Well he never kicked the ball for Sevilla. Exactly. So why aren't these clubs all these chances he's at are there all these clubs, why aren't they queuing up to keep hold of him? Yeah. Well because he's saying he's probably not not got, got that application in the, at the top level has he mm. and now not just like in the football in the sense in the professional sense by the looks of it let me say what's been said before is really frustrating I remember Gary Neville was really raving about him didn't he say when we bought him that he was mm. and he picked him out hadn't he played in the under 18s had he championships that summer in 2013 I was raving about him and said like oh, I haven't got a great player who's the main man in that yeah. championships yeah. but apart from some Flurry of activity in his first year, and when he come back, it was at 15, 16, just before Christmas. He had a good spell with him and Rob. Ron would yeah. tail him really yeah. well. Yeah. Massively disappointed, and as you say, speaks volumes that he's had so many clubs. At what twenty? Was he twenty two now? Yeah. Something like that. I don't think he's Everton, old Everton for me. No. Excellent. Well, thanks, chaps. That's been really interesting. We've covered Keane, Everton's defence, Sandro. Gerard De La Faye and various other topics and just before we leave must thank our sponsors beer52.com and if you put echo in block capitals in the checkout you'll receive a discount on your order thanks very much for listening hope you've enjoyed it and we'll be back soon again